ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Hey guys, this is Meadow from Vermont in the United States. I'm reaching out to the Ascend podcast simply because... It has been the only place for my curious thoughts to wander in this busy world that we live in. This podcast has really given me a space to feel not so alone in some of the areas that I feel are the most important yet never talked about. I will hopefully be moving off grid before winter here with my partner and... The Ascend podcast has been an absolutely wonderful outlet for me to learn more and have access to the resources that are helping me make this happen. So thank you and sending peace to everyone who's listening. Yo, 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 beautiful people. How's it going? I hope you are all doing well wherever you are in the world. And thank you so much to Meadow from Vermont in the US for that message there really was a beautiful message and I loved how you said that you and your partner were starting your own journey and living off grid. I think that was really cool. That was really cool. And when I heard you mention that on the audio, I had such a, a huge smile on my face. I think that is really empowering. So thank you so much for sharing that. And it was really interesting. I loved how you said that the podcast itself gives you a space to sort of feel not alone in some of the areas that you feel are some of the most important and not many people are talking about them. I really do think that's powerful and I completely understand what you're saying. I've thought about that a lot. And I think the reason why a lot of people don't want to engage in these topics in these important areas and there's there's not really many people around who will want to engage in these areas is because, as you know, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think that when you do start waking up and you do start analysing these bigger questions and analysing your own psyche and becoming aware of certain things with outside yourself and within yourself... I think the game really does start to heat up and as you know it becomes a lot more challenging when you start knowing certain areas in your life and you start seeing certain things about your own internal self and things around your external environment that, that maybe need to be changed and I think that's the fear that a lot of people hold is that many people don't want to people don't want to engage in these topics because they know that when they do that's when the real work starts and I think in life a lot of people do like to just be numbed out for a lot of things that's going on around them they're scared of truth i think you'll relate to that a lot of people don't want to engage in these things so i think that is why a lot of people are not willing to go where all you guys are who listen to this podcast and i'm sure you will relate to that so anyway i just wanted to say as well that the feedback off last week's episode was really amazing off the off-grid podcast i did thank you so much and i'm so glad that you liked it I really did have a cool time chatting and I'm just glad that you liked it anyway. So thanks for the feedback. It always is welcome. So thank you so much. 
So anyway, this week on the podcast is a conversation I did from my time at the Breaking Convention. It's a conversation with a guy called Dr. Tim Reed. He's a psychiatrist and he's the author of a book called Waking Shadows, which is really cool. I've always wanted to have a psychiatrist on the podcast, but not just any psychiatrist. Um, what I like about Tim is that he's somebody who really does have an unconventional approach to psychiatry and he really takes into the deeper aspects of sort of the shadow aspect and consciousness and comes from a more sort of unconventional approach, if you want to call it that. So anyway, in this podcast, we talk about connection, facing our shadow aspects, higher self, the divine feminine within society and in general. So we talk about much more as well, but this really is... Um, a deep dive into the conversation of our own psyches and I really do think a conversation like this is really important because I think we're living in a time now where there are so many different things going on where people are struggling with, with certain areas in their life and I really do feel that one of the main problems why as a society in general a lot of people are sort of sort of struggling in life is because we a lot of people haven't really done the work and I'm not saying it's their fault but I think that is a main problem is because as a society in general, we're not really taught about, taught, we're not really sort of angled or, or, or sort of shown how to really delve in our own psyches and sort of not really told how that is an important facet of life and how we need to really do the work within ourselves. So I think that's why a lot of people are struggling because when something does come up in their lives and no one is, and somebody hasn't done the work, I think that's when people are not prepared and I think that's when sort of shit can hit the fan within their own selves. So that's why this conversation is important anyway. And it is a really cool one. And I just wanted to mention before we dive in, if you please can just check out the Patreon page. It really is the best way to support the podcast. It provides me a great little platform to help me to keep doing what I'm doing. As you know, all these conversations are in person i could easily just sit in sit on a computer and do skype conversations it really would be easier but that is not a real conversation it's not the real richness i want to keep continuing to, to do these in-person conversations and all i'm saying is, is if you can please find it in your heart help me keep doing what i'm doing and bringing you amazing conversations at the same time so that's all i'm saying check out the patreon page if you can it really means a lot over the next in, a, in about three or four days time from this recording this podcast coming out i'm actually going to be heading off and doing a solo wild camp or solo bushcraft or whatever you want to call it i'm going to be heading off into the wilds of scotland i'm not too sure where i'm going to be going there yet but i'm going to be picking a place that's very secluded and i'm just going to go off by myself and do a complete solo camp and just spend some long days and nights just chilling in the woods camping out by myself and just looking at the stars and just basking in myself and I think at times we all need to do that we maybe need to all go off alone by ourselves and just have some sort of time with your own self so I'm going to be doing that anyway so if there's not a podcast out um next week you know why is because I'll be in the woods with the bears <laughs> there's no bears in the UK but I'll be alone in the woods by myself and if I don't come back, you know why. <laughs> but anyway, that's what I'll be doing. So if there's not a podcast out next week, next week I'll put out two podcasts just to sort of give back to you guys, as I always like to do. So if there's not a podcast out next week, there'll be two out the following week. So anyway, I hope you all have a great um, a great week and, and enjoy this conversation with Dr. Tim Reed. Enjoy, people.
I suppose maybe, maybe a good place to start this would be how would you sort of def- define yourself? I mean, I know you have a, you come under a few different categories. Would you see you're a psychiatrist? How would you define what you do? What you do? So I, I spent my professional life as a psychiatrist. Okay, just come a little bit closer to the mic. Yeah, so I spent my professional life as a as a psychiatrist. So uh, I went to medical school and and qualified as a doctor, and it became. It became clear to me as a medical student that I was destined for psychiatry. And uh, so I did my, my basic medical training, went traveling for a bit, came back, became a psychiatrist, um, realized fairly quickly that medication has its place, um, but is only a part of a story. So I did a training in psychodynamic psychotherapy along psychoanalytic lines. Um, now, having done that, I was supposed to kind of know everything that you were supposed to know about psychology and psychiatry but it was very clear to me that there were some major gaps and now I came across the work of Stanislav Grof who was the original LSD psychotherapist yeah, in the <laughs> 50s and 60s um, and I started working with him and trained in holotropic breathwork which is a non-drug method of accessing psychedelic states and that kind of transformed my psychiatric practice so it wasn't that what I had learned was no longer of use it was just that I had a, a different perspective it really added a huge amount to what I'd already Learn. So I suppose if if I was to give myself a label, I'd call myself a transpersonally orientated psychiatrist. I've done, you know, the, the, the medical stuff, the psychoanalytic stuff, but I think the, the psychospiritual dimension that you get from Groff's work really adds to the insights that we got from the work of, of, of Carl Jung, um, who, who died in 1961. So that's the previous generation, really. Yeah, I noticed you had a, quite a, when I was looking into your work, you had a, I would say that you had an unconventional approach. Would that be fair to say? Yes, I mean, in, so I, I'm no longer working as an NHS psychiatrist. But when I was an NHS psychiatrist, I, I had a fairly conventional approach. But you can have a conventional approach from a different perspective. So I would say my, 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 my perspective changed. And the, the main change in my perspective was that it became more orientated towards growth. So it's not just about managing symptoms, but it's about uh, it, it's about working with the symptoms, looking at what the underlying issues are, and working towards growth. And of course, a lot of psychiatry and psychotherapy is entirely about that anyway. But I think the transpersonal perspective that you know Groff and others got from looking at the deeper layers of psyche really kind of adds a different dimension to that. You can get to the the, the deeper layers of psyche that are difficult to access by conventional means and you can work with those deeper layers of psyche to you know to, to heal the, the deeper wounds yeah um, in terms of like consciousness and stuff yeah yes yes in in nhs work um a, a lot of people that you come across in nhs primarily want symptom relief and they don't they maybe don't want to look at the deeper stuff in a way that you you would like them to but sometimes you work with them a little over time and they become a bit more open to that um, yes. When, when you, a question I would love to ask you when you when you look at sort of society in general, and you obviously and the the people that you're interacting with, you you sort of the, the the patients. I'll call them patients. I don't know what you, the word you use. Patients, clients. Yeah, patients, yeah. clients. Have, do you see a familiar sort of thread of what people are struggling with? You know, and what maybe what are the mechanisms behind that? So it depends on the context. So if you're working in, in the NHS, often people are struggling with interpersonal issues. So. Mm-hmm. So, so, so traumas of what we call omission and, and, and commission, things that, you know, happened to them that shouldn't have happened, like abuse of whatever nature, and things that didn't happen that should have happened, like growing up in a nurturing environment. So that's, that was kind of my NHS role. But the work I do these days is more sort of psychospiritual development. Um, and I think what a lot of people are looking for is 
is, is two things really. One is a, he, uh, a healing of the, the deeper wounds. So often there's no obvious trauma. You know, there's nothing. You know, there's nothing that has really gone wrong with their lives. They've been quite fortunate often, but there's still something that needs needs healing. It's often pre-verbal, very difficult to access, but it's there and it's associated with some you know, milder symptoms, maybe of low mood or anxiety or disconnection or, or lack of growth. But, but but as people get into this work, really it's to do with psycho-spiritual development. And, you know, I think we, we all of us, my own take could be we all of us have a, a, a spiritual yearning that we may or may not be aware of. Um, and it's to do with uh, an innate uh, desiring of connection. And there are various ways in which we can manifest that connection, you know, in our human relationships, our relationships with the, the natural world, uh, and our relationships with, with spirits, which can take whichever form. And of course, you know, we've kind of turned away from that, I think, because of what religion has done to us, because it was so dogmatic, so oppressive, and, you know, and a lot of us in, our, in, in the modern age have been kind of persuaded by the scientific view that we live in a, in, in a post-religion age. So I'm not talking, about, I'm not talking about, about religion. It's more of a, an innate personal spirituality. Yeah, like, do, you, do, you, do you think it's important? Because I, like, I completely agree with what you're saying there. Do you, do you think it's important as a society in general we need to sort of go to the depths of our psyches more? Uh, I, I think I think it really is. Um, and I think one of the ways it illustrates that is the, the terrible state of our planet and that you know, more of us are becoming more and more aware of you know, the dysfunctional nature of our relationship with Mother Earth. Um, and there's a number of ways in which you could see that. You could see it as an attack on the feminine. Um, you can say some more about that if you like. Yeah, but it's a profound sense of disconnection. Um, so moving into that a little bit more, you know, I think you could you could conceptualise it as an imbalance in terms of the feminine principle. If you think of our relationship with 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 Mother Earth and how we're destroying it, and there's an interesting kind of line of thought that. You know, it looks at how man has developed maybe over the last few few thousand years with the emphasis on a more patriarchal god. Um, so the, the gods we've chosen have, have been more patriarchal, especially in the, the Judeo-Christian relationship. And maybe that has kind of inculcated a, a more kind of masculine mindset of being rapacious, of, of taking, of, of, of conquering, of, 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 um, of, of trying to bend things to, to our will. And maybe this is a time that we move away from that and move towards what's often been called a more, more feminine way of interacting in the world. So we need to get in touch with our, with, with, with our own feminine in a way and develop a more nurturing, balanced, maybe soulful connection with, with the planet, which is not to do with you know, consumerism, materialism, what can we get, how can we conquer, how can we kind of penetrate this. It's more sort of holding, nurturing. Um, and that, that has a kind of connection with, with Jungian thought, uh, the archetypal tradition, certainly in, in, in Jung's life. You know, he was a very masculine, patriarchal man, and a lot of his own journey was, was, was coming to an accommodation with the feminine that he called the, the anima principle. Mm. Um, and the anima principle is not, just, is not just becoming a little softer, it's not be- becoming more in tune with... um, with with your own feminine it has a kind of transpersonal quality uh, that takes you above yourself I think Um, do you have any thoughts I like that do you have any thoughts on a on a practical level how say somebody could really try and sort of on a deeper level understand that feminine aspect within them within their own selves 
That's a very good question. And that's partly why I think a lot of people come to psycho-spiritual practices, you know, whether holotropic breathwork or serious work with psychedelics, being in nature, meditation. I I think think all of these practices basically connect um, with that principle. And of course, there there may also be some people who who may be... uh, are, are, are too in touch with our feminine and maybe need to capture some some more masculine qualities so it's not one or the other it's more it's more getting the balance right but certainly with the, the, the psychedelic research I mean um, a, a lot of research is coming out supporting the idea that people get more connected um, more connected with nature more connected with other people so a lot of it is about is about connectivity um, so the old masculine principle, you know, wouldn't want to kind of overstate this because it's these these are complex, subtle concepts. But the 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 out of balance masculine concept is not about connect connectivity; it's about domination. Um, do, you, do you think that um, the sense of the, the feminine aspect in society could actually be sort of it could be um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? Could be affected by more of a collective collective point of view because I mean, like you just said there, you said psychedelics. I mean, it, there does seem to be an emergence now of of alternative topics, and I think alternative topics within themselves do promote a more sort of a, a more balanced approach. Which in my in my own, I'm just trying to recognize my own sort of self, and then from there it gets you more of the ego and this dominant sort of mindset in your own self, and it puts you down a, a more a more sort of balanced level in terms of the feminine? Do you think the, yes. the collective aspect plays into the, the feminine aspect of society as a whole? Yes, um, but it's interesting to see what's happening in the world at the moment because on one hand you can see you know, an, an upsurge of what could be called more feminine principles of connectivity, concern coming together. But on the other hand, there's such a huge reaction uh, and we see uh, the, the reaction of the more patriarchal figures we see the politicians who are kind of floating to the surface of the archetypal currents at the moment um you know we, we see the the um return of patriarchy all over the world so if you were if you get one current coming up and i suppose you could say there's some similarities of our current age of the 60s um you you do tend to get the forces of 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 counter-reaction so you get this very difficult dynamic tension of course it's very difficult to see how it's going to play out um, but but at the moment um, you know the, the forces uh, are, are balanced in a very difficult situation um, so some some people would take an archety- uh, uh, an astro- an, astro- an astrological take on this and would say that um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into this too much, but uh, Stanislav Grof and Rick Tarnas, who's a very prominent philosopher, would say that some of the archetypal currents, as reflected by some of the planetary transits in, in the sky, would indicate a period of extraordinary turbulence that forces us to look at our collective shadow. I mean, I, I know it's interesting that point, and I, I don't not want to dive into it too far because there's so many interesting things I want to touch on you with, but just slightly touch on it. I know what you're trying to say, and you don't want to go too far in it because. There is a big stigma around that sort of understanding within society. Yes. But the more I've done a little bit of research, there is sort of more and more evidence. I mean, all the ancient cultures of the past all believed that sort of there was some sort of collective sort of um, a changing of consciousness within. I mean, I can't even understand it really because I think, as I've heard many people say, it, to really understand what what you're talking about here, you have to sort of you lose the modern day human mind and try and put yourself in yeah. the self of someone else, someone else who fully understands what's going on. If that makes sense. 
So, so, so what, so what the concept we're, we're touching upon here is the, the nature of consciousness. Yeah, and of course, if you believe that consciousness is ultimately reducible to brain processes, then the thought of archetypal currents um, doesn't really make any sense. If, on the other hand, if you think that consciousness extends beyond human brain cells and is more than you know the synaptic connections between yeah. brain cells, and if consciousness is bigger than that and is inherent in the structure of the uh, of the cosmos and yeah I, I would subscribe to that view I don't know for sure but I would certainly sub- subscribe to that view and the, the thinkers who I admire the people who've trained with are certainly persuaded by that, that view then meaning is inherent in, 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 in everything um, and the archetypal perspective is that there are certain kind of currents of meaning which may be a, a more prominent at other times than, than others and it seems that what has been shown to us at the moment and what's going on in the world are aspects of our collective shadow to do with uh, greed, uh, rapaciousness, um, um, attacks on less fortunate people, attacks on the feminine, attacks on the, on, the, on the planet, which is the most serious one. I mean, if you look at, you know, I'm not going to mention any names here, but, it, you know, we all know who we're talking about. And it's very anti-climate, um, opting out of, of, of climate change uh, agreements. Um, and... You know, it's quite extraordinary what we're seeing. Of course, the politicians themselves, it's not kind of their fault. They, they are just who they are. What's extraordinary is that they are being elected, that they are floating, you know, they're, they're, they're floating to the surface of the, the, the great meaning currents of our times. And I guess what it helps us to do is, you know, really examine ourselves, really look deep into ourselves. You know, we're seeing it in this country with, 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 with Brexit. We're looking at, you know, what we've been sold, what we've been told, why, why people have believed um, what they've been led to believe and, you know, what the consequences are. And it's really make us think in a deeper level. And if we examine ourselves in that deeper level, both on an individual level as a, as a collective level, that, that is where the growth lies. You touched on the shadow aspect there. I actually wanted to touch on that with you. How important do you feel it is for to sort of face that shadow aspect of ourselves? I think it's really important. Um, so in, in one of the talks yesterday, there was a, a discussion between psilocybin psychotherapy and MDMA psychotherapy for people who've been traumatised. And the, 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 the view that goes with the psilocybin work is that it's really important to get in touch with the traumas, the pains, work through that. And then, you know, you work through the shame and, you know, the, the difficult negative feelings. But then there's a pearl that emerges from that. The MDMA view would be more that it, maybe it's not necessary to go through the pain because the MDMA dissolves it. So I, I personally think that, you know, it's inherent in human nature that we all have our traumas and our pains. And maybe stage one would be dissolve it to some extent so that you, so that you can manage yourself better, so that you can feel that you're more held within a more benevolent kind of universe. But ultimately, to get to that stage of growth, I think, I think you have to go to those levels of, of hurt and pain and shame and trauma, which we all have somewhere, and, and learn through it. And that's where we get the gristle of growth. That's where we get our kind of, that's where we firm up our psychological skeletons. That's where we heal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've had, I've had many experiences where I've had them experiences where I've had to face them sort of inner yeah. shadows within myself, and yeah. whether it's in the form of an ego death, whether it's in the form of something Absolutely. else. Have you? What, what have you? Do you have much research on the sense of the ego death and what's going on there? Because I think that's a fascinating topic as well. So, um, some sort of ego death seems to be necessary for any form of psychological growth. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the ego is a very important structure, and of course, it carries us through, you know, our formative years, childhood, adolescence, our adult life, etc. But at this stage of life, 
maybe there's some parts of ego that need also to slough off. Uh, there's some ego structures that are helpful in carrying us forward. There's some ego structures that get in the way. For most of us, by the time we get to midlife, we've developed some pretty unhealthy ego structures that kind of get in the way of psychospiritual growth, and they are kind of r- redundant. Um, but ego structures are very tenacious, and they, they, they are difficult to let go of. Um, and often the process of letting go of them feels like a sort of death. So the classic experience of this is in the psychedelic experience when you think you're going to die. Um, you know, there's a rational part of you that knows you're not going to die, but when you're in that, you think, I'm going to die. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, you know, we, we've, we, we've most of us been there. Um, uh, and that, that's a classical ego death structure. And then you come through that. And, you know, in, in that process, you're often brought face to face with some of your uh, layers of conditioning that are difficult, painful, and you come face to face with that. And sometimes that's really difficult, as in an ayahuasca session is the, the, the classical example where you're really brought face to face with it in quite a confrontational way. But then often coming out the other side of that might not necessarily happen that day, but it'll happen some sometime later. It might, might take a few sessions. Then, then coming out the other side of that is, is, is often a beautiful, joyous, connected experience. You know, if you're, if you're kind of traumatized, if you're, you know, if you've got a lot of issues, then it's probably going to take repeated immersions. Um, the classic midlife crisis um, will often take repeated immersions as well, because most of us have, you know, are really quite wedded to our ego structures. It's difficult to let them go. Um, really and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, of course, ego structures tend to grow back. So it's quite rare, you know, to have you know, the, the, the ultimate experience where you can gently slough off your redundant ego structures and then feel reborn and that's you done. It doesn't doesn't really work like that. You have to kind of keep on working in yourself. This is an interesting question. Actually, it just quickly caught me in mind there. That, the, the sense of the, the ego death and, I mean, obviously psychedelics do bring that essence to, yeah. to society as a general. Do you, do you feel that, because it's something that I've noticed is that, and I mean, I was going to say all young male, but this is for everyone, really. It's females as well. I think as a society a younger generation i'm just trying to analyze my own self i feel that an element of that is missing within in your sort of your cultural upbringing i feel like yeah. it would be good if there was some sort of some sort of i know like uh, there's many uh, different indigenous cultures around the world where they get i think they get to a certain age and the children they'll sort of they'll, they'll, they'll have this process where they sort of have this i think they take i don't know if they take psychedelics or they do they undergo some process anywhere that where they sort of all of their consciousness and, and face sort of the early stages of their life and the early stages of their development. And then from that point, they, they can get to a position where they see how they can move on with their life in the future. Mm. And I just get a sense that there's a, a sort of a, a craving amongst young people within myself as well, that when you do get to a certain age, that you, you need a process like that to, to mm. sort of redefine you or sort of make sure you're on the right path or to tell you if you're on the wrong path. I'm sure that's right. And I, I think each young person probably has to find their own way. And, you know, there, there, there are things that people can do, like, like go to festivals, uh, be out in nature, go out in the mountains, go travelling, th- things like that. Uh, they're really important formative experiences. I mean, there's something about festivals, you know, the sort of festivals that kids go to, you know, when they're 17, going to Reading is often the first festival. Yeah. And, you know, that's... And then there are festivals that you go to after that. So that, that that's one way of doing it. And you get the intensity of atmosphere, you get the music, there may be substances involved, a sense of separation from 
the, the outside world some sort of focus on inner processes that are kind of germinating, fermenting in some way. You know, you, you don't go to a festival with the intention of psychospiritual growth, but there's often a, a, a seed there that, that is planted. I think being in nature is, is a huge thing, whether, you know, walking in the forest, maybe w- w- walking in mountains, you get a sense of, of otherness, something that's bigger with yourself. You know, if you have some some challenging times in nature, that's even better. You know, if you're walking up a Welsh mountain and you you know you get caught in a storm, I mean that's that's quite developmental. Uh, it certainly takes you out of your your everyday concerns. Um, but I, I guess as society, we need to, you know, we just need to encourage these processes. You know, and give young people these opportunities to go beyond themselves, to get off their screens. Um, you know, to get off social media, to go into areas where there is no Wi-Fi. Yeah, definitely. Uh, That's yeah. a challenging thing as well. That's a challenge. You, you, you slightly touched on something before. I wanted to go a tiny bit deeper. The, the connection aspect. How how does how does the role of connection to go a little bit deeper? How does that play within the work that you do? Um, so it's a subtle thing, connection. Um, but we find in the work that we do. So you know, whether work with holotropic breathwork, straightforward psychotherapy. Um, but any form of psychospiritual growth seems to be associated with increased connectivity. It's one of the key findings that seems to be emerging from the psychedelic research, that it helps people feel more, more, more connected with other people around them, more connected with planet Earth, and I think more connected with themselves is, 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 is maybe the most important thing. Um, so, you know, if, you have a, if, if, you're in a, if you're in a psychedelic psychotherapy situation, often... Um, you know, you touch base at some stage of areas of shame. And often I think it's those areas of shame that get in the way of a more positive connection of yourself. So very often we're disconnected from ourselves as a sense of alienation from ourselves. And that's associated with, you know, psychological symptoms to a greater or lesser extent. Uh, and if you can come to some accommodation with yourself, you know, forgive yourself, forgive your younger self, um, you know, come to an accommodation with shame maybe the things that you're not so comfortable about yourself um embrace yourself in a deeper way that is it's so healing yeah definitely i think there's there's an aspect what i've noticed as well in my life is that i mean i don't know what what the name you want to term you can put on it but for me i think i use the word sort of intuition a higher a higher self and it seems to be that all through your day-to-day life if you are in tune with it there is some sort of i don't know i'm trying to be careful with my word because we we words but force or yeah. something there that is guiding you in in every single interaction that you have i mean even i'm doing this podcast now i'm aware of me signals yeah. and me body yeah. and stuff do you do you think that do you think the, the the because what i'm just trying to i'm trying to get to the crusp is do you feel that the more do you think the the work isn't just in sort of do you think the work is, is constant it's all the time you have to be sort of in that state where you're analyzing everything do you find is there a no. benefit in that no 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 but 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 I think what you were saying there about, about the higher self is 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 absolutely fundamental and crucial, and it's kind of quite difficult to talk about because it kind of smacks of, of of religion etc. But it's a key thought, it's a key kind of point in transpersonal psychology or, or Jungian thought that there very much is a higher self, and you, you know you can call it God if you want to, or you can use the, the Hindu words of. Of of, of, of of Brahman and the aspect of Brahman which is within us all uh, Atman the, the term that Jung used was archetypal self so self spelled with a capital S it's a bit of a confusing form because it's very easily confused with self with a small s and of course it's completely different and the whole point of the, 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 the ego death rebirth experience is a redundant egos 
um, structures are sloughed off, but you develop a connection with the higher self. So the ego is reborn in a renewed relationship with archetypal self, and you carry around that with you. You, yeah. you carry that. You might not be aware of it all the time, but it kind of suffuses your your ego structures, and you have a sense of a connection with something that is greater than yourself. So it's not all about your own ego structures. It's not all about the mechanical world in which we live in. We do not live in a meaningless universe where our lives are just accidents, but we're part of a uh, we're, we're part of an energy field. You know that, that's what the quantum physicists will tell us. That you know we, we at, at a fundamental level we are part of an energy field. So sometimes you can you can feel that, and it's very different to feeling that we are completely separate little beings. You know within our skin and our consciousness is confined to our brain. And you get to a point where you know that it's not like that at all. You know, we are intimately connected. We're connected to, you know, to things that are really quite mysterious and much bigger than ourselves. And so often in human's history, we've had sight of that, but we've kind of misinterpreted it or we got it wrong or we've politicised it or we've killed other people because they have a different um, um, social construct uh, about that than, than, than we do. But but, 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 but that's the bottom line. I think in this kind of work we do, we have a sort of growing appreciation of, of, that, of that intelligence and how it works within us and how it draws us back to itself. I think when you get to that point as well within your own life, there's, there's no going back really once you have that sort of, that full embodiment of what you just said there. I think you kind of, there's no going back and saying that you're not a part, part of something larger than yourself. Once you sort of, you've tuned into it and physically experienced it yourself. And another interesting area I wanted to touch on you with was the sense of our own, our own sort of inner ability to heal. So, see, you know, pharmaceuticals and things like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, the question I'm trying to propose in my mind is, is sort of the sense of our reliance upon pharmaceuticals are they sort of in, inhibiting our own ability to heal within ourselves in, on a, in terms of a psychological level like by giving too much power away to them sure sure but what, what, you know what, when we talk about uh, psychotropic medication pharmaceutical country companies antidepressants it's very easy to get into a kind of polarized position and medication are bad and uh, and it, of course, it's not the the truth is much more more complex than that. And there are some people for whom medication is is, is really helpful. But some people who have a kind of a form of more more biological depression, and you know the antidepressants really sort them out if they come off it, and they get into a horrible, agitated, ruminative state where you know they they, they cannot grow, they cannot work on their problems, and you know it's it's really horrible. Um, but on the other hand, the vast majority of people who go and get antidepressants from their GPs, they are basically being conditioned to think that they do not need to work on themselves. You know, you can take this tablet, it'll sort things out. And of course, it's not going to sort things out. It really isn't because it's not that sort of depression. You know, it's more to do with, you know, psychosocial difficulties, you know, the, the, the lack of growth, the lack of opportunities for growth. Um, I feel really sorry for the GPs because they have very limited time, very little resources. They really want to help, you know, so they, they, they think, you know, if I give you this tablet, maybe it'll help a little bit. And of course, it usually doesn't. And it promotes this feeling that, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a passive patient. There's nothing I need to do in my life. But hey, maybe this tablet will help. Uh, and of course, you can extrapolate, you know, you, you can consider the role of, you know, alcohol and substances you have know, a way in which you use, people use drugs in a profoundly dysfunctional way um, so yeah, I suppose the, the bottom line is the, the notion of growth and we all have to take responsibility for growth on one hand and as a, as a society we need to maybe try to provide a platform where people can grow 
So, it's, you know, if you compare it to gardening, it's a bit like preparing a fertile seed bed. Try to keep it fairly free of weeds, keep the soil reasonably nourished so the seeds can grow and there is some sunlight and they can grow towards the light. A little technology, it's a cool technology that. Did, did we touch on uh, meaning before? I can't remember because I didn't want to miss um, over that meaning on how meaning imp- impacts the work that you do. The understanding of mean, meaning within, a, within society. Um, so, sorry, I'm not uh, quite with you. Sorry, it's my accent. Me- meaning, I said. M- meaning? Yeah. Um, with regards to what? Regard, in regards to the, the role it plays in regards to the work that you do. Um, so meaning uh, yeah I mean I, I, I guess we all need meaning in our lives um, um, I mean a lot of the people as I see are basically looking for meaning um, I see, see a lot of people in midlife who maybe have uh, they've done okay in their careers maybe they've had their families maybe their kids have grown up they've fulfilled the functions of that first part of their life and then there's a big question of what what was is the next stage about? Um, how does one find meaning? And often that's a really difficult question to answer. Um, it's something I think that's probably changing as well. It's always something that's because I think that sense of meaning as well. I think if you're not if, you, if you're not sort of doing the work on yourself, I think the understanding of 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 meaning can run away from you, and then that's mm. when I think you can become lost in sort of in society's meaning or what society's trying to put on you yes yes the 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 the, the search for meaning is more important than finding meaning i mean often yeah, if I, you, I like that i like that often if you find meaning it collapses the potential for further growth so you can find meaning in you know religion or following your your, your football club or or, or 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 whatever and that will take you so far um and maybe that will provide a vehicle that is kind of satisfactory for the rest of your life. Um, but I, I think the most important thing is is to keep that search going, you know, is to lead, lead as meaning-filled a life as one can, to look for meaning everywhere. And I guess that's one of the wonderful things about nature, um, you know, being outside, being with people, just the sheer abundance of meaning that there is and feeling that, you know, you're you're fully alive and fully conscious, and you know, having as as deep a connection with the outside world as you can. Yeah, um, definitely. When the question I would love to ask you is, when you're obviously sort of immersing yourself in this work you're doing, and the dedication you're giving to it, how do you pr- sort of protect your own self and your own sort of psychological mind? Because I mean, and this goes for in general as well, just to sort of just try and give you a bit of context, maybe so the way you can sort of angle your your sort of um, what you're going to say. But something that I've learned is that, say, I would say certain people around me, and I've spoke about this with my friends, mm. I know um, you have certain friends around you who are sort of struggling with different things and mm. you have a, an insight that you can give them. But it's sometimes when... You, I feel this with me own self, that a lot of people will come around my close friends will come mm. to me with a problem. And I think there's a sort of a... There's a... An, you have to protect yourself sometimes, mm. your own sort of your own psychological self. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And that could you speak yeah. a bit about that? How you how you foresee that? Um, well, I, I find for myself that that um, that, 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 that I, I need to keep on working on myself, basically. And the most important component of that is meditation practice. And I find I need to go on a retreat about once a year. And if, if I don't do that, I start I start getting a bit stale and depleted. I spend as much time in nature as I can. Um, I find if I've been working 
um, really hard. My mind sometimes gets a bit of a ruminative quality and I find I'm walking in nature and I'm not really sort of appreciating what I'm looking at. So I can walk past a lake full of, you know, wildlife and birds and stuff and I don't, I don't notice it. And if that happens to me, then that's a, that's a reminder for me that maybe I'm getting a bit too caught up in everyday work. You know, perhaps I need to renew my meditation practice because it's always on and off. You know, I, I can never do it month after month. I can do it for a few months and then, you know, get too busy and stop for a bit. Um, and then it, it's really important to, have, you know, I find myself it's it's really important to 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 have regular retreats, and they don't need to be super long, they don't need to be super deep, but you just need to still yourself, reform that connection with archetypal self, if you like. Um, so that so that's what works for me. Yeah, it's hard to develop that compass as well because I mean I know what you're trying to say. It, it for me that sense of knowing where yet that where that line is within yourself. It's a it's a very sticky thing because I think you have to develop that compass because if it goes unchecked it'll just sort of yeah. it'll run you run over you yeah. yourself. Yeah, and it's about you know it's about being mindful and watching yourself and you know we 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 we, we all live complex lives in a complex worlds with complex families. There's always stuff going on. It's part of you know it's part of the joy of life. But we're we're affected by all these things and sometimes we get a bit knocked off balance and. You know, and when that happens, you, you know, when you are not off balance, you don't immediately realise it because that's inherent in being not off balance. And then after a while, you know, you do realise that um, you need to take care of yourself a little bit more. And in recognising that, you you know, you have your strategies for how to do that. Um, and it, it, it's incredibly important. It's incredibly important. Cool. Leave yeah. it there. I'll leave it there. Cool. <laughs> I think it's a good. I think it's a good place to leave it. Okay, cool. Thank right, you so much done. for having the conversation. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Really, thanks, uh, thanks so much for listening to that podcast there. And just before you shoot off as well, you should need to stick around to the end after this after this outro because every single week on the podcast, I I do put a song at the end of each conversation, and this song is a really killer, and you don't want to miss this one. So anyway, thank you so much for watching the pod, for listening to the podcast really loved chatting there and I think I really do like I said in the intro of this podcast I really do feel that a conversation like that is really important because I think a lot more people in society do need to start diving into their own psyches so I hope you like that conversation anyway if you can please find it in your heart and support the podcast through the Patreon page really is the best way to support the podcast and support this movement and the work and the energy that I'm trying to put out in the world also have a one-off donation option you can use that if you don't want to sign up for any monthly payments a lot of people have been doing that so thank you so much for that as well so anyway just to play this conversation out this really is a powerful song it really is related to sort of the conversation what we talked about a lot today so anyway this is a song by an artist called ben howard it's called keep your head up and i'm sure you're going to enjoy it so anyway i hope you all have a great week wherever you are in the world and I will catch you in the next podcast. Peace out. I spent my time watching the spaces that have grown between us. And I cut my mind on second best. All the scars that come with the greenness. And I gave my eyes to the boredom. Still the seabed wouldn't let me in And I tried my best To embrace the darkness In which I swim Now walking back Down this mountain 
The strength of a turn and a tide Oh, the wind's so soft at my skin Yeah, the sun's so hot upon my side Oh, looking out at this happiness I search for between the sheets Oh, feeling blind But realize all I was searching for was me Like wildflowers